Welcome back to The Hang. Uh, in for a great treat this week with uh, a good friend of mine I met a couple years back at Jazz Aspen Snowmass with Christian McBride, uh, Isaiah J. Thompson. Uh, phenomenal pianist, great person, uh, great composer out of New Jersey. Um, you know, he's up in New York now, but I mean, this guy, super great guy, and has already played and recorded with everybody. I mean, working with Wynton Marcellus, working with Chris McBride, uh, Steve Trey, Ron Carter, recent album release 2020 with his uh, plays the music of Buddy Montgomery. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't say enough good things about him, and I think you're in for a great treat this week. We, we talk about music and what we do when we're not doing music and just life today. So sit back, enjoy, and here's another episode of The Hang. Cool, and I'm here with Isaiah J. Thompson, uh, a great pianist and, uh, you know, well-known for his, his trio up in New York. Uh, how's it been, man? I know it's been, what, two years now since we were out in Aspen. Right, right. It's cool, man. I'm all right. I'm just, uh, I'm hanging in, um, you know, during this crazy time. Uh, everybody's just trying to figure out what to do. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm all right. I'm all right. All right. Man, is that a is that? I'm curious from your perspective because you just finished school recently, you know, but right. you had been working and whatnot a good bit beforehand. Uh is it weird now to be in that position where it's like, you know, you th- the whole game beforehand was hustling, <laughs> trying to find which you know to find that next gig that's uh, you know not the the thirty dollar bar gig or whatnot, but the next the next move and now you're in a place where it's like well how do i find the next move when there really aren't as many moves man um well i feel like you're just forced to i mean you can't be unpre- you can't be prepared for a time like this but you know i think in this is you know this is like a probably the worst possible situation but i think that uh this kind of scenario is something that um in a strange way you have to then keep in the back of your mind or just sometimes life happens and things right. go awry, you know, they don't go the way you thought they were going to go. And like I was saying before, there's not really a way to be prepared, a way to be prepared for it. But at the same time, you do have to keep that in the back of your mind. Um, so as it was going down, I was just thinking like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> everyone's going to be struggling through this. Uh, right, 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 right. And um, I think honestly, it's taught us all a lesson um, in gratitude, even for the things that, you know, maybe you did have before uh this whole thing went down you know um and one thing i found from this the small amount of playing i've been able to do during this time is that people are playing with a certain a different level of joy and graciousness and a certain intensity about it because they are like they realize that that's not a given to be able to even play it's not a given right Right. <laughs> you know, right. uh, so I've really looked at this time as a really a time of reflection. I think when we come out of it, we're going to see a lot of different uh, uh, things just in terms of people's personality, how they deal with other people, how they deal with the music. I think there's going to be a certain level of um, graciousness towards it, for sure. Man, and that's that's really heavy because, you know, I don't know about with you and 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 talking to you know, the elders or whatever, but I know that I've had people in my life that have always tried to emphasize, um, that you should not take playing this music for granted because of the people that, you know, uh, went through the, the, the difficult times that they did before us to play this music. Right. Um, Right. But now, you know, and I mean, you can only do so much to try and understand that. 
without being put in that kind of position. It's almost like, you know, now there is one of those moments for the musicians of today, you know? Right, 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 right. Man, uh, so you're from Jersey though, right? Yep, from New Jersey. Yes, sir. Okay. And, but correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you got started in music at a young age, I know, which is not necessarily uncommon for musicians, but you were like into jazz at a very young age, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, um, basically my parents, they put me in, in a classical school right. when I was young. I was probably like five or something like that. And, um, just because my parents, no, no one in my family really plays like sure. anything. Sure. They were just like, you know, um, we just want you to do something. That's why I was putting a lot of different things like. I was in like swim team and like later on I was fencing and like right, right, I was right. doing all types of karate, you know, just like, you know, things. Yeah, uh, get that college scholarship. Yeah, no, exactly, no, I, exactly, I got you. Exactly. Because my parents used to say there's nothing more dangerous than a young man with nothing to do. Right. So, <laughs> right, right, so right. I was doing a bunch of stuff. Um, and so basically, you know, I started kind of stopping doing things. I stopped the karate. I stopped the swimming. I stopped the... And, you know, eventually I was like, I wasn't sure about piano. I told my dad, hey, I'm not really sure about this piano thing. And he's like, well, you can't quit everything. Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's an important lesson. Um, and so I started to kind of branch out to things. Um, I had another teacher um, and he was showing me uh, like, you know, like Herbie, like Herbie Hancock things. And like, you know, we, we he showed me some Beatles songs, you know, stuff like that. And I was and I grew up on R&B music. That was really what my parents played in the house. So that's the stuff I heard, Luther Vandross, stuff like that. Right. Um, so um, eventually I started just kind of getting involved in these programs. My parents were just like, yeah, what is this thing? You know, NJ Pack, Jazz Routines, they have a program. We found Jazz House Kids, you know, and they're like, what is this? And, you know, they just kind of put me in there in those things. And I started to be like, you know, what? I think I like this. And then they stopped having to tell me to practice, you mm-hmm. know. And I think at that point, probably by the time I got to – um around eighth grade, I was like, you know, I want to do this for sure. You know? Wow. Like that young. So (laughs) for you at that point, you know, uh, cause I think everyone, you know, has maybe that moment where it's clicks, where it's like a reassurance where like, you know, that you're doing the right thing. Right. At that point, did you know that you wanted this to be the main thing or you just knew that you wanted it to be a part of your life forever going forward? Sure. Well, at that point, you know, I made, I kind of was like, um, I remember that at that, that moment, at least in eighth grade, I like, I knew I wanted to go to Juilliard. I wanted to do the jazz thing. Okay. Uh, and, you know, and I'm, I'm always super grateful. Cause I'm like, man, that didn't have to happen the way it did. Right. You know, right. <laughs> it did right. not have to happen the way that it did. Um, cause like, like we were saying earlier, life just happens sometimes. So, um, yeah, I just kind of, um, I don't know, something uh, I remember seeing my uh, like a close family friend uh, was playing on TV uh, and I saw him playing and he was playing. So he was playing jazz and I saw that and I was like, oh, I didn't realize you could you could play piano like that, really. Um, you know, and at the time I was still like kind of just like a bit of a sponge. I had a bunch of random stuff on my iPod and I had like this one real jazz record. I had like Bill Ev- Everybody Digs Bill Evans. Uh and I, for some reason, I kept on turning that one on and I didn't know why, you know, yeah, um, that's all I would listen to. And I'm like, yeah, I really like this one more so than everything else. And then, you know, later on, you start to understand, oh, OK, I really like this and what's special about this. And I should investigate this by, you know, really putting in the time and discovering these programs that I ended up being involved in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, is it is it uh, is it weird? 
Because you're you're like uh, what twenty four, twenty five, twenty three. Okay, twenty three. You know, <laughs> and but um, it's like, are you in a weird? Because I feel like to some extent, I mean, you've done some some awesome things. You've played with some awesome people. You've like you know, recorded with Winton, played sure. with McBride, uh, uh-huh. the handful of keys record with Lincoln Center, right? right. Um, right. you know, uh, second place in the, I guess it was still the monk competition when you did it. It was the last one. Yeah. The last yeah. monk competition. Yeah. So yeah. is it weird to like, feel like you're reaching, uh, a certain level at a younger age, you know, because it's, it's like something that I've always wondered about someone like a Joey Alexander, you know? <laughs> sure. like maybe not to the same extent, right, right, right. But right. does it feel, um, weird in the sense like i'm sure that you're grateful that you're getting this experience of like that that strong mentorship that like we all hear about but does it feel weird sometimes to think about like you look in your position and then there's cats that are that are in college that are playing piano or or doing whatever that in some ways look up to you and you're like man like don't you know i'm only a year older like hey (laughs) like cool it check out this other cat or something you know right 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 um no, that <laughs> I've been in that situation before, you know, people I and it's funny, like the the switch kind of happened so quick because I'm still very much a student. Like I'm still kind of in part of me is still kind of like in a student mindset, right. but I'm also like not really. Right. Um, but for me, like when I got to school, like I was I was already kind of serious about the music. But, you know, seriousness is always like it's hard because I always I always use this comparison. It's like trying to picture a color you've never seen before. You mm-hmm. don't realize how serious you have to be until you've attained it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then even after you attain that, you don't realize how much more serious you have to be even after that. Right. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I was kind of serious from a young age about like, okay, I want to play this and, you know, I want to make sure I'm really understanding what this is. Um, and like you said, I've been fortunate just to like be able to play with some of these people. And sometimes I get these calls and I'm like, are you sure? Is this the right number? You call the right person? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. and um yeah like some of the other students like at school i guess you know sometimes they they you know they'd look up they'd look up to me or you know some of the other classmates but i have to tell you man i was also really fortunate that i have some like the most amazing peers i mean also when i look at my grade or who was around me i right. mean just some of the most, i mean i got anthony hervey right i got uh i got emmanuel you know i got manuel wilkins like we're all in the same like we're in the same grade micah thomas you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all in the same grade. It's just like, and I start looking around and it's, and it's, you know, we're learning from each other. Really. Right. And, you know, right, when I see them, like, I just kind of look at them like, yeah, we, we started, you know, at school together. And now we're, you know, we're all just trying to play just like we were when we first started. Um, and now apparently we're the older ones, but it's like, we didn't notice that. Right. right. <laughs> you know, we didn't notice that. Um, uh, because even, you know, 23 is young, but man, like, I, I feel like I turned around and all of a sudden I was 23. I remember feeling like I, I was 18 and I'm like, well, what happened? And now I'm seeing these people in their first year and I'm the old one. I'm like, whoa, when did this happen? Right. Uh, so, um, but I always try to treat everybody with the same. Uh, I think it's important. You always treat everybody the same, at least, you know, um, just because um, you can learn something from everybody. People that are younger than you. You know, definitely people older than you, that's a given. But people younger than you, you can learn a lot from because everybody thinks about things a different way. And especially when you start to get into these schools, especially when people specialize in a certain thing, like Juilliard being a conservatory, man, those people are there for a reason. They know stuff and they might know something that you don't know. 
Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's so, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like the best way to put it because the thing too is when you get, especially up there, it's, it's like, uh, you know, again, I did not go to Juilliard. So correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> However, you know, when you're at the other schools, like, like a, like a large public school or, or something, you know, or even sure. a UNT, and I'm sure to some extent, it's the same way at Juilliard. You, you, you uh -huh. find your group of cats that are like, that are serious. Right. And you know, they're, they're the people that you tend to gravitate towards. Right. But I feel like, uh, in, in that type of situation where it's such a specific conservatory, um, for what you're going for, it's just, there's a larger pool of those that are oh. serious, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I mean, yeah, that is hard. <laughs> that is, that is a hard, that's a hard one. It's a hard one, but yeah. I, uh, sorry, go ahead. What no, were you no, going to say? You good. You good. I, um, I, I think it's important, especially when we talk about jazz, because there's very much two sides of the situation or the scene, per, as, as some would say, where, uh, you know, some people are cool with it being institutionalized, being with, the, you know, being, having the music being an institution, right. which is cool. I'm cool with it. You know, I like it. I've benefited from it for a long time. I've learned so much from those teachers. I'm it, like forever grateful. But there are, you know, of course, there are some people that really do not believe in it. And I, I understand why they don't believe in it. I don't, I'm not knocking that either. Right. But I think as a young student of the music, it's important to understand both sides. Right. 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 So you have to understand, like, OK, what is this in the institution? But also go out and you don't have to be, you know, the stereotypical jazz musician, do the things that people think you're supposed to do. Right. You're a jazz musician because you play jazz, not because you hang in a certain way. Right. Right. But um. I think it is important that you have an understanding of the music when it's not necessarily institutionalized either, right? Like you need to know what that is. Like you just go down and you hear somebody play and they're not a part of your school. You may not know their name, but they love the music, right? That's an experience that you should have and you should have an understanding for and appreciation for just that like some, some random person you never heard of could have such a deep understanding of the music. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, could yeah. play extraordinarily well and then you could connect with them. It has nothing to do with school. But I'm not saying don't appreciate the school because, like I said, I was in the school and the people that I met, man, I learned so much from them. So it's cool to be able to learn in that environment. Like when someone's telling you what to do all the time, I think that's kind of an important lesson, like in humility, just being in a school where someone's telling you, learn this, do this, don't do that. That's uh, that kind of stuff. Um you know, four years of that, six years of that, whatever, that's going to really help you understand and sort of attain a certain level of humility that you're going to use in a lot of aspects of your life later. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I feel that, man. And, you know, at at risk of opening a can of worms here, you know, uh -huh. uh, talking about the idea of like jazz in academia and jazz uh, well, taught not through like a formal academia setting. Right. Um, how do you think that that's going to change going forward? Because I think what we're seeing right now is, is some trends where like that classical mindset approach of uh -huh. cats getting terminal degrees right, and, and, and being very academically driven and very studious. And I'm not knocking them as, as not knowing what they're doing, but right. like cats that are going through that, you know, and doing comprehensive exams as a master and then doing a thesis and, and going the full mile and then getting back into education. Right. Um, and those guys, you know, guys and girls teaching and whatnot versus the cats that, 
you know, might get a degree, might go play some, might go back get up their master, you know, might go play some or whatnot. How would do you think a that uh, education is going to turn with this? You know, the education of the music, mm-hmm. and then b what's your suggestion? You know, looking back on it now, and, and as someone that has gone through both to some extent, because you've mm-hmm. been you know in uh-huh. strong mentorship roles or or mentee sure. roles, you know. Uh-huh. Where do you think the student's going to turn next? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Well, uh, I will say uh, it's important in general to not be reactive because when you really look at the time, like, there's no way for you to tell what's going to happen in a lot of ways. Now, we've seen, you know, more schools that have come out with more programs. We've seen that. Um, but. I don't, I don't, I don't really know what, if there's going to be more of that, less of it. I know that, you know, um, I know that I've seen it be good. I've known that I've seen people struggle because of it. Um, but what I mean by being reactive is like, you just have to do what you think you should do and being the place that you think you should be right. in. Right? Cause your goal is, it's hard to, it's hard to see beyond, but you got to see beyond whatever it is, you know? So like, um, and it's hard to do that. Um, you know, like I knew I wanted to go to Juilliard, but trying to see beyond that, it's like, okay, I want to do Juilliard because I wanted to play. Right. So if my goal is like to play jazz and be for real about jazz, that's like, that goes beyond the school that goes beyond a lot of things. So that means like, okay, how else can I attain this goal? So for me, I mean, if I'm being honest, I can't say I have no idea which way it's going to go, but I would, I can't stress enough. It's important that, um, we just have like uh try to develop a clear understanding of what we're trying to do. And then, you know, we try our best. We apply for all the things we can do, you know, different uh, uh, performing opportunities. We apply for all the grants and all the things, apply to all the schools, whatever. Try your hardest, try your absolute hardest. Cause it's hard to right. play music in general, especially jazz. It's hard to play. <laughs> it's hard to play these and, and, and survive, you know? Um, so I always say, try to see beyond whatever somebody's telling you is po- is possible. Or whatever, you know, try to see beyond whatever institution, whether it's literally a school or an institution or a way of thinking, uh, try to see beyond that so you can attain the goal that you originally set out for. Uh, and don't be reactive to, okay, because this thing is new, I have to figure out how I can get into this thing. Because there's always going to be a new thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's... always going to be a new thing. Right, right. Man, and then how do you, uh... man, this is this is cool because it's, it's, uh, this is exactly the same kind of stuff, you know, we would bullshit about wherever, you know, while you're so with, with this things, right. And you got the, uh-huh. the older generation, you know, older generations, I guess, you know, there's tears of everybody, cats and, and everything. And you got your uh-huh. cats now, you know, like uh Hervey and any manual or whatnot, and the people most immediate around you. Um, right. How have you found yourself being able to balance uh, the feeling of like you guys doing what what you hear and what you feel and what music you're inspired by, you know, because I think jazz musician today can be a little bit more encompassing maybe than it used to be because there's so uh-huh. much music going out that is, you know, no matter who it is, you say you grew up with R&B there. I'm sure there's R&B right. inspiration in your playing. Sure. Uh, how do sure. you balance that though with the older generation um, where some people in that generation uh, are, are more expectant of the younger generation to be eager to be in a, in a mentor mentee relationship. 
because it's a you know it's a, it's a tough coin because it's not like those opportunities are everywhere nowadays. And uh-huh. I could see someone wanting uh-huh. to cert- seek out those opportunities, but I mean, what are you going to do? Just wait till the opportunity comes, or do what you right, can, you right. know, to to eat in the in the process. Right, right, right. So you're saying the, the kind of the balance between trying to do your own thing, people your own generation, and also having a relationship with the older Definitely. generation. Like, how have you found to balance that? Because you've been in both roles, you know. Uh, and w- sure. what, what is your advice uh, towards others? <laughs> it's hard. So uh, originally, what I set out to do was like I was I wanted to be a side man. That was like my thing. I was like, man, I'm really trying to get this comping together. I still right. am. And, uh, you know, I was just like checking about a, a bunch of Cedar Walton, like some of the greatest compers, McCoy, like, you know, Wink Kelly, like just the greatest compers that we've ever seen in the music. And I had some friends, you know, but I was I was writing these tunes. I was writing some songs or whatever. And I actually it's funny because actually some of my friends were like, hey, man, maybe you should like lead bands. Maybe you should like lead a band. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, whatever. You know, but like, yeah, but you're writing all these tunes. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to do anything with them. They're like, why not? You know, oh, wow. so, so um, eventually, you know, I was lucky that I, I started getting certain opportunities and I just kind of ended up being in the role of the band leader. And I started to, you know, I started to like it, but I never, my mindset never changed from like, we're all in this, like together. It wasn't like now I'm the leader and right. whatever, because you need everybody to right. play. Right. <laughs> you need everybody to play, you know? Uh, I'm just lucky that some people do want to play my compositions and that, the, you know, and that it's fun for them. Um, so for me, uh, I think it's really a respect thing. And it also goes into uh, how hard you try to uh, kind of have a, a conception of what the music is. Like, try to think about what it is. Um, and I always tell this story that I was writing this paper and I remember I had to go. Uh, my mom had like a meeting at the at the church. And I ended up sitting uh, in the back of the sanctuary and I was writing my paper on my phone because I didn't have my laptop. Right. <laughs> and um, this lady, uh, this woman comes up to me from the front and she goes, hey, would you like to join uh, our prayer circle? Right. And, you know, you can't say no. That's disrespectful. Right. I was writing a paper, which was due in like, like a day right. or two. I'm just like, hey, yeah, of course, you know. So I go up and sit in the, in the pews and, you know, she starts singing and she's saying, you know, thank you, Lord. And blah, blah. And she's singing. They're saying, mm-hmm. they're responding to what she's saying. And. She's singing again, you know, responding, you know, and then and then she stops singing and she stops praying and the next lady starts praying. She starts singing. Right. And they're saying, mm-hmm, and they're responding to her and she starts saying, oh, Lord, whatever. Right. She starts saying she starts singing a hymn and people recognize, OK, she's singing this hymn. I know that when they start singing, they start responding. And I'm watching this happen. I'm like, man, this is the music. Right. right. <laughs> this is literally what the music is. You know, um, so I think especially with the older musicians, you know, we're we're dealing with a time, you know, we're always younger musicians are always coming out with like newer music It's going to sound different, things like that. But if you have an understanding of like what it's supposed to be rooted in and what it really is, right, you might gain some level of respect, even if you're doing your own thing. Um, and and something like that, I always remember because I'm like, wow, like I really I really wish a lot of people were here with me right now, like watching this because I learned so much from just watching that experience, you right. know? And um, when I'm dealing with, uh, you know, I, I live, you know, I've lived in, in, in apartments with lots of, you know, peers of mine, musicians, uh, jazz musicians specifically. And um, I listen to them or I try to listen to them the same way I listen to older musicians because they know stuff. They're in the position that they're in because they know stuff. You can't play this music and not have some sort of sophistication about you. 
It's just yeah. <laughs> impossible. Yeah, yeah. The music is so deep and so, you know, sophisticated. You have to have something that you know uh, in order to play it. So, um, you know, I think I balance like, uh, especially when I play like a, with an older musician like Steve Teray, man, you also get a little bit of an insight into how they interpret the music through different generations. Like if you sit next to Teray and he explains to you how he wants the sound of something to be, you, I felt like like I'm back in a different time period. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's how these cats talked in this time period, and that's how they conceptualized this. So in a way, it's like okay, and then you talk to Winton, he you know he'll tell you to play something a certain way. You're like, oh, okay, so. In his time period, this is how the cats thought about it in this way. And then I might talk to Hervey and then be like, okay, no, I think about it like this. I'm like, okay, so this is how you think about this. And all of that is just going to really kind of uh, give you a grand understanding of there's so many approaches to the music. And it's, you know, and a lot are right. A lot are right. Um, and I think that's really the balance. How can you learn from everybody at the same time and appreciate the differences, but then also see that they're the same? Man, how... Okay, because again, it's like hearing you talk and then remembering that you're 23, you know, like <laughs> when, because um, that's a conversation that I've had with some cats is that you can shed all you want, you know, you can uh, transcribe whomever, you know, uh, shed your two fives on piano, whatever you want to do. But there, there right. comes a point, though, where I feel like you just have to deal with yourself some and like enough. Right. maturity and especially emotional maturity to be able to yeah. approach the music and how like how was grasping that for you or was that something that you didn't have to grasp and it just kind of happened because you know you were that sponge like you had talked about um i think especially in uh, um especially in the black community man um and especially um you see it a lot it's with like um kind of southern upbringings yeah. you kind of um there's that respect for elders. There's that, that respect that you just you just have to have, and it's you learn from a young age, right, right, right. And 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 also, you know, for your for your peers. And I think also then if you get involved in jazz, that um also just kind of instills a certain level of respect and appreciation for those elders that you never even met, right? Because you're just constantly you're listening to these recordings of these, you know, geniuses, these masters, but at the same time, we often just like, you know, we put them on the pedestal, but we also take them off because we just say, man, these were people. Right. Like amazing, you know, unbelievable genius level, but they were right. people. Right. And then, you know, you can think about somebody in your family like that. Like how many times you sat there with, you know, a grandfather or an auntie or someone like that. And they said something really profound to you. And you took that with a level of respect and you, you know, you internalized that in a certain way and learned. Um, and I think. Um, I had that like growing up, just like some people around, you know, I learned how to listen. And I think that's somewhat missing sometimes in, in our generation, like knowing how to listen to somebody. That's hard to do. It's hard to do, especially at a young age. People don't want to listen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone wants to talk. Everyone right. wants to talk. So listening to somebody older than you and then also listening to somebody the same age as you. And then like we talked about before, listening to somebody younger than you, that's extremely hard to do. Um, but I think that kind of maturity, you know, sometimes you got to go through some things also, you know, to come out a little bit clearer because, you know, life happens. Like we're talking about now we're in COVID season. It's just like, okay, something happened. I think a lot of people are going to gain some insight and have to kind of gain some emotional maturity just from this right. moment. Um, 
But I know everybody goes from, through different things in their life and they come out of it a different way um, with a greater understanding. And they start to see that really everything, you know, not, I mean, I can't generalize it that much, but a lot of things are the same. If you really get down to the core of it, you say, oh, okay, the same way I'm thinking about this, the same way I'm dealing with my relationship, the same deal, I'm, the same way I'm uh, respecting or disrespecting my parents, that has to do with the way that I'm comping behind the bass solo. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> right. You know, so that's what I would say. Mm. Man, and so, you know, talking about everything, like what, what else do you do? You know, because I, I feel like so many, pe- so many times for us, uh, it, it doesn't feel like work, you know, it just is. Sure. But what are your things sure. that are your escapes? You know, do you, do you find that time? I'm sure that you find times you got to get away from the piano or you're just so mad. Sure. You know? sure, 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 sure. Um, it's funny. Like I, um, I'm very much not the, uh, like the hang type. Like I don't hang all mm. night and like stuff like that. I'm not like that. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not much of a drinker, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just like, I'm very, I'm, I'm much, to, and not that I have a problem with it. I just, you know, I just don't really. Uh, so my thing is like, you know, I play the gigs. I love the music. I write as much as possible. I love to listen to it. I learn from my, from my friends. I talk to them about it all the time. But then after that, man, I just want to, I do want to hang, but just in a different way. Like I, you know, I'm a man, I'm a geek about these. Uh, I've been my whole life. I'm a geek about these superheroes and all these things. Uh, and, um, it's funny. People would never know, but it's just like something I like, you know, movies, uh, certain comics and stuff, these cartoons yeah, and DC stuff. Or Marvel, uh, <laughs> DC, right. I am. We're getting butts kicked in these movies yeah, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I still love DC, man. We're getting our butts kicked though. I can't, Ooh, I'm going to be mad going there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, um, that's like that that's always kind of kind of been my escape like i've just loved uh that kind of stuff and also just in this time specifically um people are forced to go to places that they didn't think they might be you know like i know a lot of people have uh had to go home you know to a parent's house and um you know at a strange age you start getting to like late 20s mid 20s you didn't think that you might necessarily be back in your parents house you got to deal with that relationship, which is, which could be good, but it's just like, it's also strange. Cause you're like almost grown, <laughs> basically grown, but also not right. grown. And then your parents who still may think you're not grown, which is not necessarily wrong, but also not right. right. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta deal with that relationship. Um, you know, so I think during this time, it's important that uh, we deal with these, some of these core relationships that we, you know, kind of founded our principles in deal with those because it's really going to reflect how we deal with other people. So in a way, I think it's kind of a special time. We get to go back and, and deal with some of those uh, origins, right. you right. know. Man, it's, yeah, that's tough because definitely I think a lot of cats have hit hit home with uh, having to go home. You know? <laughs> right, Especially right. Especially because it's like you, right. you're especially you're in young twenties, you know, you're figuring out the things you like, how do you like to eat? You know, what do you like to do? And then you right. go back home and your mom's like, no, 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 <laughs> you can eat this right now. Cause I just cooked it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, so that's a funny dynamic, a funny dynamic. Man, how do you feel about the concept that, uh, that jazz, um, is a culture? Like specifically, like the the jazz musicians as a whole, they they have mm-hmm. a unique culture, and I think 
I think from my experience, I could be completely wrong, but from my experience, I don't think it's the same in other genres per se or in other type of mm. circles, you know, professional circles, let's say. I think there's a very specific culture that's kind of expected of and that you grow into. And it's very, you know, different because we all use the the language. You know, I was sure. not calling people cats before I got to college. I was probably saying killing with a G on the end of it, you know? We all say the music, and I know it drives all of my friends that are not mu- musicians crazy. They're like, why do you keep calling <laughs> the it the music? music? And I was like, man, it's the music. It is a living and breathing. It is the music, you know, but like, like we all eat the same way. We all talk the same way. You know, like food is a huge part of the culture or, you know, like, man, even playing cards or, or talking, you know, trash about sports or whatever. Right. Like, how do you, what do you think about that, that, that idea? I think it, I, well, it's funny because I think I very much fall out of the category of what people believe is supposed mm-hmm. to be the jazz music. Okay. Cause I don't do all the things you're supposed to do or whatever. Granted, the world has a very skewed idea of what jazz is because they only like to focus on, you know, Definitely. the drugs yeah. and the and the drinking, which is not necess- is not necessarily right. the case. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Especially um, nowadays. But I, exactly, especially now. Um, and so, um, I think sometimes like the people that well, someone someone like me, like you can, I, especially early on, you kind of feel like, oh man, is this? Um, am I doing the right thing? by not doing the super late night hang? Am I not then a jazz musician? And then you have to realize that like, if you play the music, then you're a jazz musician. Right. (laughs) And you know, if you play jazz, then you're a jazz musician. If you play it, you understand, you study it, then you're a jazz musician. That's what makes you a jazz musician. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to have an accent from a certain certain part of the country you don't have to then only be interested in a certain thing you don't even have to you don't necessarily have to be a composer you don't a jazz musician is because you play the music (laughs) that's why um and it's kind of a scary thing um and it doesn't just happen with jazz happens with all types of stuff people go you know they go to a certain high school they go to a certain whatever and they think oh because i go here i have to do this thing and that's how people get into dangerous situations they with drugs whatever because they think they have to do something in order to be a part of something. Like you're a part of it because you love to do it. You know, like I'm a part of jazz community because it's what I do. Now there'd be them. There's going to be aspects of it. You're not going to know everybody, you know, like, Oh man, I need to be a part deep in the community and know every person, you know, and that's cool if you want to do that, but like, there's going to just going to be people you just don't know for whatever reason. That's fine. And there's no problem with that because Jazz is not only located in one part of the world. Like jazz is so universal. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's just like it's right. everywhere. It's everywhere. You're never going to know everybody on the scene of jazz, you know? So you have to look beyond, you have to look beyond what people are telling you. Oh, you have to do this on to be a jazz musician. Like, man, do you like jazz? Do you listen to it? Okay. Do you play jazz? Okay. You're a jazz musician. Congratulations. That's it. Those are the only requirements. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know? I feel that. Man, did, did you, you know? You, um, no, sorry, you know, go ahead. It like it's cool, and I I think you're right about that. You know, there there definitely is a uh, is a notion of of what a jazz musician is when you talk to people that are not. Um, right. You know, I think uh, 
it's almost more dangerous when you start talking to musicians that think, you know, because at least if they're like completely removed from music, you know, you, you can influence their their perception of it completely as to what it might be. Um, right, right. But so how did you, like you say that you grew up, like growing up, you're like, I want to be a sideman and I want to learn. Right. And then, you know. Right. Basically, some cats were poking fun at what man. If you write these tunes, like you should start a band. Did you ever find yourself right. struggling with a with a sense of like, am I ready? Because for other people, it's like you get your degree, you apply for your job, you got your job. You know, like that is your pinnacle point, per se. You know, like like that. That's a very right. big momentum point. And then from there, it's just furthering yourself in that career. But for for us, I think sometimes sure. people struggle with. Um, you know, you play saxophone. Okay, cool. You should go lead a band. Well, man, why should I lead a band if like they can go listen to Ben Wendell? You know, or like you play trumpet, I man. See. Like, wh- why should I lead a band in in Philly knowing Sean Jones is around the corner? Like, I would much like cats should be going yeah. to go pay to hear him. You know, and like that sense of just like, man, no, like, like I'm still shedding. You know, I'm still dealing with this music. Check that out. You know, did you right. ever uh, um, deal with that? Of course. Well, um, one thing we overlook a lot is it's good to to be ambitious. Very great. Be ambitious because that's how you achieve things that you never thought you would achieve. Um, But sometimes we overlook what the what what is what is achievement. Right. Right. I always find it funny, like especially like um, we always uh, a lot of times society, we, we, we allow people who aren't necessarily even on well, they don't have to be jazz musicians but people even interested in jazz like just like listening to it we rely on people who don't have not listened to it say they don't like it and we rely on them to tell us whether mm. we're good or not yeah yeah <laughs> that's what funny to me so the achievement really is playing i remember a teacher telling me he said man the gift of this music is playing the music that's the gift <laughs> that's really the gift now, try your hardest to be in the best possible situation possible. Play with the greatest people you can play with. Try to make the best music you can with whoever whoever that is. But in those situations when you're making music, say you're just in your house, you're making music by yourself, you're, you're writing something, whatever, that is achievement. That's achievement. And we overlook that a lot. And it's hard because I know uh, a lot of times we like to associate achievement with right. finance. So we say, okay. You know, because this gig, it's really all finance. Like, okay, I'm trying to get to this bigger gig because I'm playing with these people. Therefore, in the subconscious, we might be thinking it's more money (laughs) or, you know, because we're afraid of survival. So really at the end of the day, it's like a survival thing. Right. But um, really, when you look at the achieve, like try to really look at, okay, what am I achieving here? Like, man, we just created music. We respected one another just while we just played this music. Um, We executed it correctly. You know, uh, we didn't have to have we didn't have to have all those rehearsals to make sure the music was there. Not a lot of people were even at the gig, but we still had a rehearsal. Right. <laughs> we had a rehearsal because we wanted because we wanted the music to be right. There was two people there, but it didn't matter. That's achievement. So we have to kind of redefine what we see as achievement, because then we'll never be happy if we just only see achievement as playing the most ridiculous gigs on the most ridiculous stages. Right. Right. <laughs> You know? And it's wild when you start when you yeah. start thinking about this stuff, uh, how little – like not to say it doesn't matter, but how little at the end of the day shedding your scales matters. 
you know, like there's so much more <laughs> than just that. Like that's like the bare minimum of expectation, which I think is what everyone gets tries to say, but they don't ever really say it when they just talk about, man, how serious are you about this music? Right. I, Cause you're, you're against a lot of things. I always, I tell my parents, I said, you, you guys don't realize, but jazz is the most disrespected yet unheard Absolutely. music. Like the world is literally telling everybody that the music is not good. They're saying that the music, and and it's always really subtle. It's on right, the all the comedy shows. Not, yeah. It's on in the commercials. Like you know, they say, "Oh man, oh jazz and anything." You know, jazz. We don't like that. Oh, why do they always play the wrong notes? Whatever. You know. Oh, it's not. You know, it's oh yeah, it's sophisticated. They say it in a sarcastic manner. Oh, I don't really like that. Why can't they just play the right note? It's just all always a joke. And and it's funny they don't notice. Until I actually sat down for a few months with some of my parents. And I'm just like, and they started to look at the commercials that we were watching and they didn't notice. And I said, you see, that's mm. one. See, that's two. That's three. And over the course of a week, we had seen, a com- like, I don't know, probably four times. And that's just one week. We had seen four different commercials where people had said some something derogatory mm. about jazz. And so that's seeping into the mind of the world, into thinking that the music is not good. It's some random stuff that no one should be listening to. And it's a joke. When right. no one has heard it, <laughs> you know, especially you start people our age, people younger than that, people are not listening to to jazz like that, and they think they don't like it because from their and since they've been born, the world has subconsciously been telling them that right. they shouldn't like right. it. So we're up against some real a real level of ignorance, a real level of ignorance, not even not knowing, but then just like not liking something. And not even knowing why you don't like it, and not and and then realizing that you have no reason to not like this. It's just because someone's been telling you your whole life. It's like a sort of brainwash thing, man. And it's tough because I feel um, like th- there's there's two points I want to bring up to that. You know, I, I think part of it comes to uh, sometimes there are people that that call themselves the title of jazz musician. Which is cool, you know, because like you, like I, like I completely support your idea of, you know, if you like the music, you study the music, you know, you do this or whatnot, like that's it. That that's that's all the requirements. There is no secret, you know, trials you got to go through, you know. <laughs> but sometimes it's like a, uh, I think people get a bad taste in their mouth for for how that music is represented at a gig or something. Sure. Which is, which is tough, but we can't harp on it. Um, but man, the, the Um, other side, which I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. This is something I got railed for this on social media. Uh, yeah. uh Right. Uh, two years ago, it comes (laughs) up, you know, every year on Facebook in my, uh, in my memories or whatnot. And I just asked these, I I put a question out there of, uh, to Uh everyone that's a huge fan of Christmas music. You know, and that you love the way that like listening to the classics make you feel like you love the environment, like just the the vibe of it, walking through the stores, listening to this stuff and everything. Like, have you ever considered uh-huh. listening to jazz year round? Because all that all that famous stuff, <laughs> that's all it is. You know, that's when it got it got famous. It's Dean Martin. It's, it's right. Sinatra. And then all the people that are doing it now. So many of them are doing it heavily jazz influenced. I mean, you got like Martina McBride out here doing a big band record. You know, like that mm-hmm. is the vibe that's associated with the supposed uh-huh. most wonderful time of the year. Um, right. 
And some cats got really defensive about that. Take him at as like, why are you telling really? me what I'm supposed to like and what I'm not supposed to like? And I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not, if you don't like, like, that's cool. I, you know, I just wanted to know, have you ever thought about that? Because it's also, there's such a wide, as I'm sure, you know, variety of jazz music. Mm-hmm. People won't like Monk, you know, <laughs> people might not like the uh, art ensemble of Chicago. There, there's so much going sure. on. So how do you, how do you take all that though? And then make it relatable to the, to the cat that just got off a, you know, a nine to five, no music background whatsoever to where you're not playing over their head, here's, you know, you're, but, but you're bringing uh, the music to them. Here's, um, here's the question I start to ask people. Yeah. And I remember having this realization the other day. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it was a, maybe a year ago or so. You ever been on a gig where they're like, you're playing, maybe it's like a background gig, right? Yeah. And you're playing, uh, whatever and you're playing kind of fairly quiet and someone comes over hey because you're playing a little bit loud right and then you're like okay so you play a little bit softer they come back over and they're like hey you're playing playing a little bit loud I'm like okay you know they come back over now you're barely playing they're like yeah there's still something right and you know people just say yeah you know they just really want it really quiet and i started thinking about ah, that doesn't feel right because we're playing extremely like ridiculously quiet you know at a certain right. and i started to realize you know what i really don't think it's the volume I really don't think it's the volume. I started thinking, okay, if it's not the volume, what is it? And I said, oh, okay, you know what? If it's not the volume, I think it's this blackness thing that they don't like. Hmm. <laughs> I think that's what it is, right? I think that they, I think that lots of people, they want to hear their own music with just enough of a black influence for them to say that they believe in diversity. Hmm. I think that's what it is, right? So they want to hear, look, Frank Sinatra, great. Love Frank. But like, okay. But that shouldn't necessarily be the first name that comes to mind when you say jazz, right? right. What about, um, you know, you say Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah, of course. Count Basie, crickets. <laughs> right? Right. right? Um, and so one of the things I believe is I really think that it's there's a lot of traditions in jazz, so many traditions. And one thing that I think is being excluded kind of on purpose, but not on purpose is the music specifically written by jazz musicians and even more specifically the black jazz musicians, because that is like what I, when I listen to to that, I really connect with that. And so that's when I talk about the great jazz composers, the Benny Golson's, the Ornette Coleman's, the Wayne Shorters, the, um, the Thelonious Monks, the Charles Mingus's, the Duke Ellington's, those, right. Right. So there's something about the Joe Henderson's when you play that music, you know, and then, Oh, it's a little bit too loud. Can you play Cole Porter? <laughs> Right. Right. That's, that's really what I think the issue is. So when someone's kind of um, aggressive towards, hey, why are you trying to make me like something? It's not really that. It's just like, why are you unwilling to accept that this music that you are trying to call Christmas music is actually jazz? Why are you against that? And why do you since you refuse since since you only like this music if I call it Christmas music and you don't like it if I call it jazz? What is your true reasoning for not liking the term jazz? And what's your reasoning for not listening to the music? <laughs> why? Yeah. You know, yeah. that's really where I start to be like, well, what's your problem with the term? Because I've been on walks, man, during this quarantine. I've went on walks. Walk around and have my speaker with me. I play Louis Armstrong. I'm walking around the corner and always smiles. People go, oh, yeah, you know, they're like, yeah, Louis Armstrong. You know what right. I mean? Right. But then you bring it up as, oh, I don't like that. Oh, but I love Christmas music. Vince Guaraldi. You like, so, <laughs> so you hate jazz. Yeah. But, you know, but you like Vince Guaraldi. Right. 
You like dee da da dee da dee da da dee da. You like that swing? You like the Thanksgiving theme? You like all that? But you don't like jazz? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, man. I think you know? I think it's it's uh, I think it's intimidating to some people, and that might just be going along with the blunt of the the joke. But I think for mm. some people, it's just like it doesn't uh, it doesn't let you be complacent. If if like you're you're really checking it out you know it doesn't let you stay in your comfort zone and i think that that's the thing that um makes people a little iffy you know because you see that in life in in tons of things you know like sure cats how often are is someone going out on on a limb to ask someone out at a coffee shop now versus (laughs) you know swiping on some dating app or whatever like that fear of like rejection or like what ifs you know Right, 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 right. Well, you have to be, yeah, we have to take more responsibility. And it's hard, you know, it's not all necessarily our generation's fault. Um, but we do have to take responsibility. I mean, like some of the music today is just, I mean, it's just, what is this music? You know, it's just being done down to, to, to a point, not all of it. I'm not against, I'm not against being current. Right. Not at all. Right. I like music that comes out now. I like some of it. Some of it, I'm just like, what is this? You know, and every generation had it. But I think that, uh, you know, we can't just dumb down our music so much. So just for the, just so that we feel, oh yeah, so people will be able to understand it. Because, you know, people rise to the occasion because they're forced to. So write some good music, just write some good stuff and people will be forced to understand it. They will. Don't just write, really easy, easy, easy stuff. Go, oh yeah, people are going to like this because they don't know anything about music. I was like, well then teach them something by writing something so great that they have to figure out what it is. Right. You know? Man, for you, uh, and this this is a, a very vague question, so I don't know if it'll make sense, so bear with me here. Um, there are some musicians that I think you listen to who you, you mm-hmm. can understand and you can appreciate and recognize that they are great at what they do. Sure. And then there are other musicians that play and they just have that thing, that like intangible thing <laughs> that just like, uh-huh. s- for some reason, the way that it, they do it, 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 it is so much more, uh, inviting, you know, warm. Uh, um, it just seems like they, they've, They've tapped into the spirit, you know, I don't know, man, you know, just that, but that thing, like, what is it for you as you're trying to reach that point? You know, like, how do you find that thing? Cause like, for me, that, that's like the difference between listening to a a Christian McBride playing or I don't know, somebody else, (laughs) you know, like there's just that thing though. We're like, no, like it's gonna force you to feel a certain way. Like you don't have sure. a choice. I don't care how upset you are. If you actually listen for it, like you have to feel a certain way listening to it. You know, they almost like demand it of you from their music and the way that they're playing. Right. Right. Well, man, I mean, that's, that goes into a deep subject uh, area, but um, I feel like some people are just meant to do certain things. Hmm. Some people are meant to do certain things. Um, now that this, this conversation can go in a number of ways, because one of the things is if we're talking specifically about jazz, um, 
we get into like how much interaction have you had with black culture? Right. Like, because if you're gonna play black music, you just gotta know the people, right? You know the culture. You know what I mean? You gotta just you gotta spend some time with the people. That's what it is. I mean, it's the only way. Um, in any sort of black music, you gotta like you gotta spend time with the people because you gotta know what the stuff is about. You can't play stuff without meaning. And that's I think that's one of the biggest problems is that we're learning without meaning. It's like, what does this actually mean? And especially you think about cats from from New Orleans, especially you have like the funeral marches and things like that. It's especially in that sort of tradition, they really know what the meaning of things are. This little dirge, this is because somebody has just passed away. So when they play that dirge, even though many, many, many decades have passed since whoever has, you know, has passed away, they still in that dirge, they have the feeling of death in that right right or how they play when someone is somebody's birthday or they have a parade or something that sort of joy that happens that's the same thing that they then attribute to how they play on a gig right so one thing is just association like how much what association do you have with the music that you're playing or the concept that you're trying to play what's the association right right um and then other thing is you know like just being it's trying to be as serious as possible about it um but also, uh, man, I, I think that, sir, I think that everybody, I always say that everybody's just as important as everybody else. And I always say my mission statement is like, I'm a person first and I'm a musician second. Um, because everybody is supposed to do something. That's what I believe. And no one is more important than anybody else. It's just sometimes musicians that make it seem so because we end up on a stage. But that's just because that's when our time is to shine. You know, like doctors have been important for so long. But for some reason right now, I mean, not for some reason, because of COVID, everybody's like, yo, the doctors. And of course, because they are right. saving right. us. They are saving right? And so they are the heroes. And they've always been the heroes, but they didn't always get the due, you know, their due respect just because people weren't really talking about it. But now when, especially in a time where people are like, man, we even more than ever, we've needed these doctors, <laughs> you know, and musicians uh, a bit different, but like, you know, we're on the stage or whatever, we're put in a certain situation where in that room at that moment, because you came to see us, we were the most important. So sometimes we kind of get a false sense of like someone's more important than somebody else. Um, but I think that everybody's meant to do something. So sometimes when people just have a certain thing when they play, it has to do, of course, like with their upbringing, what their association is with the music, but also maybe it was just what they were supposed to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's heavy man and i think um like i think you're very right about there's obviously some people who you just listen to them play and you're like man this is yep like you got it that was that was what you were meant to do you know um right i think i think you're exactly right with uh with black culture too you know there's a lot that goes into that and talking about you know in man uh you hear everyone talk about it but then you go read some of these cats like autobiographies like Clark Terry's and whatnot, mm-hmm. and 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 you read about it, and it, and it's a little different because it almost carries that weight of like sitting down with somebody, and having them tell you about it. Sure. Um, right. but man, and you know, I you're you're religious, you know, you're Christian. You're talking about the prayer group earlier. I think part of it too yeah. that some people dodge away from, and it's not to push religion upon anybody. But I think there has to, like, if you do want to pursue this music in, like, uh, the way that it traditionally is, if you will, 
Like you got to have uh-huh. at least an understanding of the gospel and the music with that, because right. that was such a, or such an integral part of the beginning of it. And it was so close to sure. so many musicians moving on. I mean, of course you get like uh, Wayne and Herbie and whatnot and their experiences with Buddhism and everything, but there's so many people uh-huh. that, that, I mean, that ties right back into it, you know, with the spirituals and everything back, like way, way back, you know? So right, right, what right. are your thoughts? Um, like for someone in my shoe, you know, I'm, I'm a white cat. I, I grew up in, in a, you know, middle-class family, you know, whatnot came from Florida, right. you know, woo, Florida, you know, like we're from the South, you know, whatever it is. Um, how do you, how do you suggest cats tiptoe those lines where they're not uh, from an extremely strong Christian upbringing or whatnot? Or, or not sure, a part of sure. the upbringing of, of a black culture, you know? And, like, you, you have your experiences with it, but how do you do that and also not err on the side of, of, of appropriation or feeling like you're, um, you know, doing something, like, like, especially with gospel music? Like, is it wrong of you uh-huh. to be, to think, look at that, you know? And, I, like, I listen to it, and I'm like, man, Sean Jones. And I'm like, man, I want some of that right. in my horn, like, like right now, like I want some of that coming right, out. Right. But then I also look at it. I'm like, man, is am, is it right of me to seek that out in the way that I am? Also, not, you know, visiting church weekly. Also, not being ext- like an extremely right. devout Christian. You know, what are your what are your thoughts right. with that? I think um, sometimes we get confused on how we hear or how we interpret humility. Um. Because sometimes it can seem really loud. Like if we're on the bandstand and, and someone's playing like a really loud solo or whatever, it may uh, appear as if that is not humility. But in a certain way, I think the sentiment is very much that. And I remember talking to Mr. Marsalis about it. And he, he told me how much, you know, he thinks prayer, you know, is like kind of an important thing because um, there's something just really uh, humbling about just by, uh, bowing down to some sort of higher power that you can say that you just don't have control over. <laughs> and I think that's some, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be prayer, but find something in some way that you can say to yourself, I'm giving all of me to something else, right? And that there's something more important than me. And I think that's what comes out. And I remember talking to, uh, talking to a great a South African pianist, uh, his name is Daduzo Makatini. And we did an interview. I, I was interviewing him. And he was telling me about how he conceptualizes the piano. And he was saying that, like, the, uh, he thinks about the top of the piano, like all the, all the uh, kind of pretty, really light, kind of high sounding. That's like the children, you know, super joyous, super excited sometimes uh very uh sometimes ignorant a little like naive in a certain way um and then uh the middle of the piano that's sort of like he calls that the mother it's like kind of the nurturing you have all the chords that can support uh you know other people playing to support yourself in a solo it can it kind of like ties all the things together and then at the bottom of the piano he said those are the elders right so like anytime you play the bottom of the piano you're summoning those elders Right. And so he said, think about someone like McCoy Tyner, who's then playing those fists at the bottom of the piano. Every time you play that, think about that as summoning the ancestors to then play uh, beyond or play from. 
right? And so having a certain conception like that, that is so humbling to hear because you you're you've now you now have an understanding of like what it means to play something. Some of the greatest musicians, they have a way of playing certain things. Um, you know, like um man, like sometimes like Freddie how he kind of plays these slips in certain notes or something like uh or somebody like um or or train train really high up on the horn he gets that screech um i always ask people what is your highest level of humility or what is your what 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 does it sound like on your instrument to be the most humble or what does it sound like you're on your instrument to exude the most praise what does that sound like on your instrument you should investigate that because that will then influence the rest of your playing. How can you uh, play praise, right? It doesn't have to have religious intention necessarily, but what's going to humble you and force you to come in contact with over and over and over and over again, because it's not about you, right? So I would, I would challenge a lot of people to try and think that way. I try to think that way too. Like, okay, when I'm playing, I'm getting to this moment. How can I exude the most, the, the most sincere and like kind of the most ridiculous level of praise. What does that sound like? How can I touch somebody in that way? Yeah. <laughs> Man, you you talked about uh with Mr. Marcellus, you know, talking about the concept of like prayer and just um having the humility to give yourself up to something that is bigger than you, essentially. Right. Right. Um how did you do that with the music? Cuz I think there's a point to where you just have to you know, because you talk about the uh, the financial strain, you know, just making a living, you know, copy right. whatever bread you got to do to make a living. And right. especially with being the, the brunt of jokes and whatnot, you know, right. the, the the stigmas that might come for, towards it from uh, rest of culture, rest of people and whatnot. How did you find in yourself the the humility to just have faith? You know, have to, if you take care of the music, the music's going to take care of you. You know, that old idiom that, uh, yeah, of course, of course, of course, it's a fortitude thing. Yeah. It really is a fortitude thing. I mean, uh, I always say, I, I explain it like this. Um, um, if you think about the blues and what that feeling is, you know, think about those people that were marching. They said, um, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, turn me around, right? Turn me around. Hmm. That kind of feeling, people are shaking their head. People are saying, how come jazz musicians be shaking their head when they hear something like that? I was like, because think about what they were doing in those marches. They're shaking their head, but they're going straight. Right. Right? That's exactly what it is. Right? So you have to have that, that certain level of, of fortitude, um, especially, you know, and this is something that's Black music. So people were coming out. I mean, it's, it's it well, you know, it's created by by Black people, and it's coming out of that sentiment of, like, they're playing that because that was their life. And it is their life, <laughs> you know, still to this day, they're playing this. I'm, you know, I'm not going to let you turn me around. Right. That's what they're playing. And that's what they're exuding. Um, I think that's the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's tough, you know? Right. Uh, it's, Even when it's Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think so often um, people's insecurities shine through that one like if someone like if you said that type of a comment to somebody uh -huh. they might take it as you telling them that they didn't contribute to it and that's not right at all <laughs> right right you know? right like no one is dogging you for not going through those situations they're not saying that you're not worth the same as them because you did not go through those situations 
Right. But they're saying, if you want to do this, you got to understand why this happened, you know? Right. Of course. You got to understand the history. Like, what does it mean to do stuff? Like these, (laughs) you know, when we talk about what is sound, what is your sound? That means you have to have an understanding of struggle in order to play the music. You have to have an understanding of struggle in some way. You got to, you know, okay, you read about it. Okay. But what does it mean? Right. And what does that sound like? Right. You have to, some way, you got to figure out what it is. I mean, you also got to be willing to get, uh, to be vulnerable to an extent, you know, because if not, like, how can you be, how can you be genuine and put forth like that amount of praise that you're talking about on on handstand or whatnot? With with uh, surface level things, you know? exactly. Like, how, exactly. how can you expect to do that, man? It's it's just yeah. <laughs> what can you Almost, say? Right, right, right. Man, I I uh, switching gears here now. Talking about what can you say? Uh-huh. Uh, you just put out this album earlier this year in the middle of COVID. Great time, and I know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean the music of Buddy Montgomery. Right. Okay. Walk me through it. Because I think some people know who Buddy Montgomery is. Uh-huh. I bet you that those people know who Buddy Montgomery is is because of the Montgomery brothers. Right. Records, you right. know, but for you, why was it the music of Buddy Montgomery? Like why was that really your first album as a as a leader? Sure. Um so I was kind of given a uh, um kind of an opportunity that I couldn't turn down. That's kind of what what happened. It was, um, I remember working for Don Sickler in high school and he publishes a lot of these great jazz musicians music. Um, and so basically he, he showed me Buddy's music when I was, I don't know, I was in high school at the time, you know? And, uh, I was like, man, I really, I really dig this. It reminds me in a certain way of Cedar Walton, some of this writing. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, how come no one's told me about this person? And he's like, I don't know. You know, so I just started checking it out. And basically I had played a few gigs with, um, I've been playing some with Winton and Willie Jones was playing. And so I got to meet him and I played some gigs with Teray and Willie Jones was playing drums. So I got to meet Willie over a short amount of time, like a lot in a short amount of time. It was kind of funny situation. We did some uh, things for a soundtrack for a movie. Um, and so then uh, Don had been talking to Willie and Willie liked the, uh, he liked Buddy's music. And he was like, yeah, he was really interested in putting out on his label and, and whatnot. He said, hey, would you want to do a record of Buddy's music with Willie Jones? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, um, and it just kind of happened like that, you know. Um, and I think, I think it's important music. And like I was saying earlier, I don't think... Uh, the music written by jazz musicians where in its original intention, it was meant to be jazz and celebrated as jazz music. I don't think it's played enough, heard enough, appreciated enough. So I'm like, this is a great composer of the music that we need to be turned on to. And I would love to, you know, just play a little, a little part and hopefully, um, you know, and hopefully this movement of like playing more compositions by jazz composers and black composers, you know, for you in this album, right? How much of it would you say is you approaching the music with the mindset of Buddy Montgomery versus you approaching Buddy Montgomery's music with the mindset of Isaiah? You know, because like you listen to the track, like uh, you know, Hobnob with Brother Bob, right, 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 right. Very right, clearly, right. at least to me, and I 
will fully admit I am not an expert on Buddy Montgomery's music. So I don't know his influences, but there's very clearly some moments where I'm like, hey, I hear Monk right there, like Thelonious. Other <laughs> moments where I was like, okay, that's that's definitely a little bit more gospel. You know, like that's a little bit more uh, R&B gospel and whatnot. So like, how did you uh, approach that balance? Because I feel like sometimes um, when everyone does, uh, you know, a milestone, like they just right. think they got to approach it like how Miles would have approached it or whenever they do, right. you know, uh, a rendition of a love Supreme, like you, you got to do it the way train approached it. So how did you balance that approaching it the way buddy approached his music and the way that you're interpreting buddy's music? Uh, huh. um, so, uh, this is one thing I've, I've talked to, uh, even some students about like, um, just, uh, what does it having a you have to have a small conception and a big conception of things because you know the musicians we study like the extensions we know what the sharp 11 sounds like whatever oh this note is the sharp 11 right but people like normal people they don't hear that they just have like an emotional attachment to whatever it is you play they hear it but they'll be like they're not gonna think oh that's the sharp 11 they're gonna think oh it sounds like whatever right you know how they conceptualize that so when i heard buddy's music what really drew me to his for the first time like to his sound for the first time was like he had this deep r&b influence but it was still very much jazz that's why i said it reminded me somebody like cedar mm. um like deep r&b stuff but still very much jazz like no question about it is it jazz people like um uh horace silver that's another one. This music, you hear that, and you're like, man, this sounds like an R&B tune, but it's like definitely jazz. You're don't boop dee 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 dee. You know, senior blues. It's like, what is this jazz? You know, and it very much is. Billy Higgins, you know, some of the way he'd be playing these grooves on it. You're like, man, this is still swinging. Somehow a groove like R&B, but I know it's still swinging. Right, right, right. You know, so when I listen to Buddy's music, I'm like, man, it reminds me of R&B. It reminds me of blues and it reminds me i mean this dude was playing language he was playing bebop i mean he's playing like certain language uh or hard, hard bop that kind of you know language uh associated with you know with the music and i'm like man i really feel like i identify with all these aspects of his playing uh and that's really what i wanted to kind of draw on as i played these like i would go certain songs i'm like okay what part of his identity is most apparent in this song like what part of Buddy? Like, is it the blues part? Is it like the playing over changes part? Is it the sort of R and B part? And also remember, okay, this dude's a piano player, but also really a vibraphonist. You know, like what was he? What was he trying to do? Maybe what was the piano? What was the piano doing on this recording while he's playing vibraphone? Oh, maybe that's the feeling that he wanted. And so when I kind of try to get a, a grander picture of like what's the goal of this song, or the goal of the feeling, or the aesthetic of the song, um. That And I felt like I connected to that. That's what I tried to admit, at least when I was playing, you know, and like I tried to admit why I felt I was close to this song. Mm. Um, you know, uh, like when we played this tune on the recording, we played uh, Roughing It. And I felt like, man, OK, this is like church. This is some church, you know. So how can I then play my church experience upon this? Right. I'm not going to try to play it just like him because I'll never be him. I'm just me and I can only be me. But we do have this common, this common sound, this commonality that I think I can also draw from, from a bit of a, a more of an Isaiah angle, but without disrespecting his intention. Right. 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 Man, that's, that, I think that's a, like an important lesson for cats, you know, just realizing <laughs> that like, it's so cool. And I, 
hell, I encourage it for you to really uh, have a figure like that in your musical uh, uh, environment. You know, someone that you look up to that sure. strong, but you, you just won't be them. And that's cool. Right. Like, you, you won't be right. them. You'll take some things from it. Sure, you can always love them, but, like, y- you won't be them. <laughs> right, right. I mean, exactly. even with someone like a, like a Faddis and Dizzy, you know, like, who is closer uh, to being Dizzy than John Faddis? But like, he's <laughs> exactly. still John Faddis, you know? Right. And so what are you doing now? Right. Like, you, you put that out, you know, I, I'm sure you recorded it a minute ago. Uh, and we're in the peak of COVID. <laughs> we all thought at first that this was going to be done. You know, it, it was going to be done by Easter. You know, it was going to be done by May 5th. You know, Cinco de Mayo is over, whatever. But here we are. We know it's not over yet. We know it's right. fair to say that there's a good bit to go. What are you right. doing? Like, how are you staying sane? How are you keeping the music going? When So, you know, Really, I've been um, so I've been I'll, I'll first say I've been really fortunate that I've had some gigs, um, some like live stream yeah. things uh, that I was you know fortunate enough to be called for. And I'm just so happy for those and grateful for those. So those things, you know, they come around um, uh, sometimes and I'm always happy to do those. Um, and then besides that, um, I've been teaching, man, um, which is not something that I thought I'd ever be doing. Um, yeah, I was, I was nervous to teach, you know, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to say the wrong thing to somebody. And then they just, for the rest of their mind, for the rest of their life, they have some kind of a wrong understanding of something, you know? And, uh, I didn't want to be the responsible, I didn't want to be responsible for someone's, uh, you know, uh, confusion and musicality, you know? Uh, but, um, I think it's been really, it's been really humbling for me to like, just, you know, work with some, with some kids. You know, some are really young and some are some are adults like and just want to learn. Um, I mainly have been teaching people about jazz, like specifically, you know, um, if they want to learn piano, you know, I might not necessarily be as inclined to, you know, just I might say there might be a better teacher for them. You know, just want to learn how to like play. Um, so I've been teaching like, some younger students, like just getting them interested in jazz and um, having an understanding of like what it is and why. It's felt in the way it's felt, why swing is important, what is swing. Um, and I think that's one of the things as I was doing, it, I was realizing, man, I don't know if like uh, students have ever been really taught this at like this young of an age. Uh, some some of them young of an age, like what about like about what jazz is like sometimes they might have just been given like, you know, a song put in front of them. And it was like this kind of fun thing that they played at a concert, but they didn't have like serious conversations about like what is swing. You know what I mean? And so I thought that was kind of cool that I'm getting to have these conversations with these kids. And, you know, they're so they're so smart and they grasp it so quickly. And we have really cool conversations. Um, and I get to hear, like, what they think about the music. A lot of times they're right. They're like, yeah, it's kind of like this thing. I'm like, yeah, you're right. They're like, is it like triplets? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, we talk we talk about it. And it's uh, it's been really cool for me. And I feel like um it's going to help me a lot just in like how I interact with people just in general. Now that I've, I've had some students, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, look, man, I, you know, I don't want to, we touched a lot today. Right. We, we went through it all and I'm very appreciative of your time. You know, uh, congratulations on the record. Hey. You know, I'm, uh, I'm glad to, glad to hear you're teaching. Obviously, uh, some words of wisdom right there. <laughs> Check out one that, and you know, uh, see, see you on the other side of all this nonsense, man. Of keep keep making music you know i'll try my best you too man 